Okay, six days out, and we've got an emergency podcast. As you can see in the episode description, Oklahoma State has been banned for the 2022 postseason. We've got plenty of thoughts, including a couple that might surprise you from Parrish. So we're going to get to that right quick. But a reminder and a thank you to the listeners. The show is going to YouTube for video purposes starting next week. In this podcast description for this episode, if you go in and check, you will see a link. You can tap through and subscribe to Ion College Basketball on YouTube. This is going to be an easy even more enhanced way of experiencing the podcast in real time, live chat, maybe even some trivia times for the listeners and viewers in real time. Cannot wait to get that started. So please go subscribe to Ion College Basketball on YouTube. We'll be right there in front of your faces starting on Monday. Okay, let's get to it. Oklahoma State, no postseason 2022. How did the NCAA mess up? Did it mess up? And what can Oklahoma State expect now for the season ahead? Here we go. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and there is uh, significant breaking news in the sport this morning. Oklahoma State has lost its appeal with the NCAA, so the Cowboys uh, will not be allowed to participate in the postseason this season. That means no Big 12 tournament, no NCAA tournament, no NIT, no nothing. Their season will end March 5th with a game against Texas Tech. Dreams ripped away by the NCAA just six days before the start of the 2021-22 season. Deadleg, you broke the news this morning, so I'll let you provide the details. And let's start with you just reminding listeners why Oklahoma State found itself in this position. Yeah, let's. I'll be thorough here, but I don't want to get too, too deep in the weeds. But yes, reminder, more than four years ago, September 2017, the FBI announces it's done a, a sting raid into bribery and fraud in college basketball. There were four assistants, you'll remember, that were arrested that day. All four of those assistants eventually pled guilty. They were at USC, Auburn, Arizona, and Oklahoma State. Uh, Lamont Evans was the assistant there. So uh, in 2019, January of 2019, Lamont Evans eventually pleads guilty. He serves three months in federal prison later on in that year. And the NCAA's process, if you're wondering, wait a second, yeah, this was in 2017. Why are we now, like, it's November of 21. What, what? The, the reason was, the federal government basically told the NCAA to, to sit the hell down right over there and you can do your stuff once we're done all our stuff. So that put, you know, a year and a half to two years uh, of a stall into this. And then the NCAA did its investigation in June of 2020. Dedicated listeners of the podcast will remember that we did an emergency podcast on the fact that Oklahoma State was banned from the 2021 NCAA tournament. That was the levy handed down. OK, Oklahoma State, within a two-week period, as is custom, because it's the NCAA's procedure, appealed that. And the hope was, because of the pandemic and other mitigating factors, that they might be able to hold off that appeal long enough to get Cade Cunningham and the Cowboys into the NCAA tournament. That, of course, wound up being the case. What I don't think Oklahoma State anticipated was a 17-month wait, which is what we wound up dealing with here uh, on Wednesday the NCAA announced uh, after I broke the news that, yes, indeed, uh, postseason ban for 21-22 is in effect. Basically, the punishment is just getting pushed back a year. Now, we thought this might be what wound up happening. But what's really and we can get into we can go back and forth here, GP, on on all this stuff. What's wild about this to me is obviously the timing. The the. The procedure under which this was done, something that's not in my story, which I'll have linked in the pod description here, I'm told 
that in February, on the same day that Oklahoma State had to go and play at Kansas, uh, the school and his coaching staff, Mike Boynton, were um, called to the carpet by the appeals committee, and they had no choice but to oblige that request that, there and then. Like, of all the inconveniences uh, at any point in the calendar, and this is an appeals committee that, that meets in person infrequently um, and could have really had this decision at any point in the prior six, eight months if it wanted to, and it didn't. It waited until six days before the start of the season, okay? And for them to do this now, highly, GP, like however you believe if Oklahoma State should or should not have the postseason ban, we can get into that. Six days before the season with players who were in like the eighth grade when all of this started, extremely, extremely cruel. I got a few more details I'll get to in a minute there, but that's kind of the backdrop. Um, I gave, I called you to give you the heads up that this was coming, but we didn't really talk about uh, your thoughts other than, you know, you kind of had the expected reaction that I did. What What's your reaction to what we have here, which has become, you know, the biggest story in sports and college sports here on Wednesday? Well, I'm unsurprised, if only because appeals, generally speaking, don't usually work, whether it's in the criminal justice system or with the NCAA. So I always assumed that Oklahoma State would get a postseason ban. Um, so I, I'm not surprised that they're going to be banned from the 2022 NCAA tournament. Um, I am skeptical that the punishment fits the crime. I think you've got a real argument there that, okay, listen, what happened happened, but really a postseason ban for that? It's not like we were throwing around money and buying players or committing academic fraud. The only amount of money that it's ever been proven that went to uh, a student athlete was 300 bucks in, in the student athlete served a suspension for that. You know, the, the punishment here doesn't fit the crime. If anybody wants to make that um, argument, uh, I think I'm with you. I'm a little hesitant to feel sorry for the players the way so many are anxious to feel sorry for the players. And it's not because it doesn't obviously suck to lose your postseason opportunity six days before the start of the season. Um, like that's a gut punch to every one of them this morning, but there's not a player on that roster. And this is just the truth. There's not a player on that roster who didn't know this was a possibility. If not a probable outcome as, as, as long ago as last off season, if any incoming player or returning player wanted to avoid this, it wasn't hard to do. They could have transferred without penalty because of the rule change. And obviously, if you're an incoming player, um, I don't know. Uh, maybe don't enroll at a place that's facing a possible, if not probable, postseason ban. So, like, you, you know, generally speaking, yes, I, this stinks. But you know, I see so many people talking about this is unfair to the players. This is unfair to the players. The players, it's unfair to Mike Boynton. Mike Boynton can't just go somewhere else. This, he's the head coach at Oklahoma State. I feel bad for the fans. They're Cowboy fans. But every player on that roster could could be somewhere else if they wanted if – their, if their goal was to truly avoid this type of outcome. They decided for whatever reason that they were willing to risk whatever they were risking to play at Oklahoma State, and, um, and now they'll, they'll, they'll know exactly when they're, – they're among the only student athletes in the country who know exactly when their season's going to end. It will end on March 5th with a game against Texas Tech in Stillwater. You are not wrong, GP, because all those players on this roster, whether they came out of high school 
or they came via transfer. Bryce Thompson from Kansas, Musa Cisse from Memphis. They knew that this was on the table for this season. So, um, yes, the laments against the players are to be expected, and I certainly sympathize with that. But uh, you knew what you were getting into when you agreed to this. Now, as for the actual, you know, integrity of this case and the ruling itself, man, I'll tell you this. This is what's wild to me. So, Evans was not cooperative with the NCAA when they went through all this. He obviously was cooperative with the federal government. He never talked to the NCAA investigators. And they decided, the NCAA decided that him not cooperating with them was going to be an aggravating factor against Oklahoma State, which, by the way, fired Evans. So before I get into any more details of that, how does that sit with you, Parrish? The idea that Oklahoma State had a bag actor in its program broke some rules, allegedly took at least 18000 and change in bribe money, right? And that's all money provided by the federal government in the sting operation. Oklahoma State finds this out when he gets arrested. It fires Evans. I believe OSU was the first school to fire any of its assistants. Evans just never talks to the NCAA. Why would he? He's on a 10-year show cost. He's never coaching in college basketball again. And the NCAA decides, okay, if Evans isn't going to talk to us, then this is going to give us even more reason to go ahead and punish Oklahoma State. That doesn't sit right with me. What about you? Um, Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on this. I, I wouldn't let that move the needle for me one way or the other um, because uh, the only reason Lamont – Lamont Evans ain't saving himself by talking to the NCAA. It's over for him. You know, he's going to do something else for the rest of his life but will not be coaching college basketball. Um, So to put that person in a position – where he can either help or hurt the school that fired him is not like it, it is, is, is not a good spot because it seems obviously unfair to Oklahoma state. So unless this guy who we, who got us into this mess and we fired appropriately, unless he chooses to help us now, you're going to punish us more. Like it, it just doesn't, I don't think you can connect all those dots without reaching the conclusion that it's unfair. And so, listen, the NCAA knows what happens here because the federal government told us what happened here. And Lamont Evans pleaded guilty to it. Like, punish Oklahoma State or don't punish Oklahoma State. But to have it be determined to some degree by Lamont Evans' cooperation, again, I, I I don't think that should be a part of the process. I agree, and uh, but it was. And, oh, by the way, Oklahoma State, if you've listened to our previous pods, I, I think it's top 30 team in the country. Certainly a team that would have otherwise been in a really good position to qualify with a comfortable and nice seed in the NCAA tournament. Here's a little more background on, what, uh, on what's going on here. So the only thing the NCAA's investigation uncovered, I'm told by a source, is that uh, Evans was involved in a $300 payment to former Oklahoma State star Jeffrey Carroll. Um, Carroll later paid back that money, and he served, you know, they have the sliding scale of, of punishments. He That was worth a three-game suspension during his senior season. He he sat out for three games. He he The school and the player um, faced that punishment head-on. Uh, otherwise, the NCAA had nothing else that wasn't, already talked about in the federal trial, which it has complete leeway of using. I think that's entirely fair. But Evans was not found to have illegally recruited anyone. In fact, I'm told that Oklahoma, this is mind-blowing to me, okay? 
And we'll get into the other schools that are kind of waiting on stuff and the difference between Oklahoma State and some of these other ones. But Oklahoma State, as far as I know, is the first school to ever receive a postseason ban despite not doing one of these five major violations, being involved with them, being accused of it, period. Oklahoma State did not have a recruiting violation in this case, had no academic fraud. There was not a head coach responsibility charge levied against Mike Boynton, nor would there be because it was actually Brad Underwood's team when Lamont Evans did much of this stuff. There was no lack of institutional control charge, no failure to monitor. Those five, none of them levied against the program, and yet there's a postseason ban. It's, it's believed to be unprecedented in the history of NCAA infractions. And I went back and looked at our news story, Parish, from June of 2020. What was What's just so like funny, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, is Larry Parkinson uh, was a member of the COI. He was the guy who spoke on the conference call after Oklahoma State's news got handed out in June of 2020 before they eventually appealed. He said, quote, uh, if they had not been accommodating, uh, quote, maybe the result would have been different but they fully cooperated and got the benefit of that. So this is the lenient punishment for Oklahoma State. Postseason ban on top of three years probation, which starts effective today. You get, they had to pay a $10,000 fine plus 1% of the men's basketball budget. They got a reduction in three scholarships. Uh, they got a reduction in official visits and days on the road and phone calls, which they've already uh, put into place there. So yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty heavy charge. And, and the big, big headline is this is the first school to be handed out the biggest punishment you can get postseason ban, right? Auburn and Arizona also had assistance arrested. They self-imposed last season under different circumstances. Those programs are going through the IARP, the independent accountability resolution process. USC was ruled on in, in April. No perish. No postseason ban. South Carolina, Lamont Evans's former spot where he was also, I sat in that courtroom. I listened to the wiretaps. I watched him on video when he was at South Carolina. South Carolina, no postseason ban. So, and I don't disagree with that. And but if you want to make the case, OSU should get a ban. But here's my thing, GP. There's just, there is no consistency whatsoever with this. Just none. Lamont Evans broke the rules in the same fashion, in the same style at South Carolina. They don't get a ban, and nor should they. But Oklahoma State does. That's where the NCAA is ripe for a lot of criticism and deserving so. There's no question. Like I, like, Based on your understanding that no program that didn't check one of five level one violation boxes has never been given a postseason ban, that suggests that you know my instincts are correct, that the punishment seems excessive. It doesn't seem to fit the crime. But beyond that, the upsetting thing, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, is like it's not even consistent. Like it'd be one thing if, like, man, I don't think we should get hammered like this, and I also don't think South Carolina should have got hammered like that, and I also don't think USC should have got hammered like. But like, answer this question: If it were being asked by an Oklahoma State fan, why did we get a postseason ban, but South Carolina didn't, and USC didn't? Give me your best shot at that. <laughs> what I've been told. And I did have uh, when I, I remember questioning this either on the podcast or in tweet form. Uh, I did have someone obviously on the NCAA side reach out to me and laid out why they're different. And basically the answer I got back was uh, what was presented at the trials with Lamont Evans and the amount of money he took while employed at Oklahoma State 
as opposed to the amount of money he agreed to or the schemes that he was involved in while at South Carolina was the biggest differentiating factor. At least 18,000 in bribes with the potential of more than 40,000. I'm not getting into the weeds on all that kind of stuff. We're long past that. I'm told that is the biggest difference there, that the majority of the money involvement and what he took was when he was at Oklahoma State, even though for all practical purposes, he agreed with Christian Dawkins's scheme when he was at South Carolina. Uh, he got a job opportunity for Brad Underwood at Oklahoma State. That's one thing. And then with USC, um, the money amounts were also not as much, although I would argue that what I saw uh, with USC was just as was was just as incriminating, I guess, on video. Again, it's hard for me to depict all of this because it's in a courtroom. It's not released for public uh, consumption. You got to be in the courtroom to see it. But at the end of the day, I'm, t- I'm told that Evans and what he did at OSU when he was conspiring to take tens of thousands of dollars to help steer recruits and players to Christian Dawkins's then, you know, fledgling agency, which never came to be because all the money was provided by the federal government and Dawkins didn't know. Nobody knew what was happening. It was all a sting operation. That's the biggest difference. But man, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't, I think in practice, what Evans was doing at South Carolina isn't that different from what he was actually doing at Oklahoma State. I think it comes to the technicality of the money that he actually received once he was getting paid by OSU. Yeah, that seems like a distinction without much of a difference to me. Like, you know, at, at USC, South Carolina, Oklahoma State, um, we, we've largely got the same thing happening. You know, assistant coaches taking money to steer players to 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 certain people. Um, that, that, that they took... That, that a guy took more money at one school than he did at the other. I mean, I, I guess like, you know, your ticket, your speeding ticket's going to be more if you drive in 110 than it is if you drive in 85. I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. To, to, to make that be the place where you draw a line, you know, between postseason ban and no postseason ban, that, that doesn't seem to seem like the place where I think it makes sense to draw that line. I agree with you. And Tony Bland at USC, I think he was, his number was much lower, like in the, you know, couple thousand range and so that's why they, they all like i remember us doing an emergency pod and saying usc got off here and that's what made us think that maybe oklahoma state would get its appeal turned around it didn't um so now when i, I do think that this is going to be the first case in a steady stream of cases but it is important for our listeners to remember that oklahoma state went through the traditional ncaa route and whether it's kansas arizona auburn LSU, they are going through the IARP just as Memphis is right now as well. And so that process is, uh, I mean, I've been told it's a mess behind the scenes, but I don't think that this news is good news for the likes of a Louisville is also involved there. I know that Arizona and Auburn self-imposed postseason bans, and I know that the Committee on Infractions and Appeals process is different from the IARP. But to me, when you consider USC not getting a ban, South Carolina not getting a ban, other schools that weren't highly involved, Creighton, TCU, slaps on the wrist, relatively speaking. I actually don't think this bodes well for those other schools. I think more postseason bans are in the offering uh, in the coming months. And I think some of these schools, as a reminder, like LSU, Arizona, that news is not coming before the, the end of the season. Those school, I'm told those schools are not getting, unless something drastic changes with the process, I think you're more likely to see Memphis, NC State certainly, I think, is coming uh, in the midst of the season. Kansas, possibly. Um, but we'll we'll wait and see. I don't know what else you want to add to this. I will just add this. And you're seeing a little bit of this out there in some of the commentary. I agree with it. If you are going to hand out bans, 
I, there's got to be a cutoff date. We're six days before the start of the season. Like, I don't know if it's when classes begin, kids enroll or whatever, but we need a window here. I, I do find it fundamentally unfair that this is done when it's done. You know, six days now versus the day after Thanksgiving or the middle of December, it doesn't matter to me. Once you've actually started the season, I find it to be unfair and there's got to be some sort of cutoff. Agree or disagree? I I agree. Um, You know, I would circle back to my point that, you know, every player on the roster knew this was a possibility. And you you either stayed at Oklahoma State under these circumstances or you enrolled at Oklahoma State under these circumstances. So, um, you know, like Musa Cisse. He went from one program facing a possible postseason ban to another program facing a possible postseason ban. Perhaps that wasn't the smartest move. Um, that said, I do think there should be a cutoff date. You know, like, and, and maybe the date, and it's it's subjective. Uh, it, it, and I'd be willing to listen to other ideas, but the start of official practice that day. If you haven't been ruled on by then, if you are ruled on in the subsequent, you know, days, weeks, months. It goes on to the next season. Once young people start officially participating in practice in advance of a season, let's make sure they know exactly what they're practicing for. Because to put in those hours and to have those daydreams and to have it all ripped away six days before the start of the season, I think I can say both of these things can be true. Um, Again, Every player on that roster knew that this was possible. If you wanted to avoid it, you could have. But it also stinks. It also stinks. Mm-hmm. And I, that, that would be, I think, my cutoff date. Once practice officially starts, then, um, then, then, then any postseason ban that, that can be implemented, it has to be implemented for the following season. And this goes for self-imposed bans as well. I yeah. think just as often, because keep in mind, sometimes schools do this to themselves. Arizona, Arizona did this last season parish. Yeah. Right before the start of it. So, you know, I, I think it should cut both ways. Like schools shouldn't be allowed to do it right before the start of the season or, or let's, let's just go back to that date. Uh, once the date of official practice passes, schools shouldn't be able to self-impose and the NCAA shouldn't be able to impose on the season that is about to get underway to your other point about how would you feel if you're a Memphis, LSU, Louisville, Arizona, Auburn right now, I say not great. And I know, as you accurately pointed out, um, different people handle these different cases and they are fundamentally different cases. But I guess I'd keep it this simple. If what happened at Oklahoma State is the bar for a postseason ban, I wouldn't feel good at any of the other places where what happened seems on a surface level much more serious than what happened at Oklahoma State. Memphis flipped a middle finger to the NCAA and just said, we're playing James Wiseman whether you like it or not. Um, to me, that seems more uh, outside the lines. Flagrant, yeah. Than, than what happened at, at Oklahoma State. And so, you know, we should point out the NCAA, and I'm assuming the IARP, are wildly inconsistent with punishments like just, there is no such thing as precedent well because they did this here they're going to do that there we've been talking about that for what feels like decades um but yeah you know if if oklahoma state's about to be banned from the postseason because of what happened at oklahoma state the facts of the case um i wouldn't feel good if i'm at any of those programs other programs right now my last question for you on this is this uh having 
brought up Memphis and it did what it did. That's there's a difference between what Memphis did and what I'm about to ask you. But you know, Oklahoma State is just the latest. This this feels so very Charlie Brown in the football. Okay, it, it seems like almost annually we get a story with a school who is so accommodating. Roll out the red carpet for the NCAA. Come on in, pillage through our filing cabinets. Go ahead, check our our phones, our bank accounts, all of it's just highly accommodating. What did it get them, right? The cynical message here is you do not need to, uh, account. if you want to resist the NCAA with all your might, a la what like we've seen a certain coach down in the bayou is doing, why not? Because ultimately, what is it getting you? Oklahoma State didn't have a coach, who, a head coach who was involved in this. None of these players were involved in any of this. The assistant was charged, pled guilty, served prison time. And what did it get him? You know, they got an extended say. So we got to see Kate Cunningham play a couple NCAA tournament games. I, I admit this is something of a cynical approach. But also at the same time, I've had a couple of coaches text me this exact thing. In fact, one of them, since we started recording, um, said, how do they even lose their appeal when South Carolina and UNC, USC didn't get a ban? Someone explained it to me. So this kind of idea that like, why, why, even, why even be nice to the NCAA? Because what's it going to get you? What's your response to that? Um. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that, you know, cooperating doesn't really help you. Like the incidentally always says it does. They're like, well, you know, if you wouldn't have cooperated, it could have been worse, but like, it, it's rarely good when you do cooperate. Like they, they always say cooperating helps, but I don't show me the example. <laughs> you know, all I ever hear from schools that cooperate after the fact is I wish we wouldn't cooperate. That's all they, because it doesn't, it doesn't seem to help, or at least it doesn't seem to help enough to make it feel like we did the right and smart thing. Again, I feel sick for Mike Boynton this morning, and I feel sick for fans of that program uh, because, you, you know, you spend weeks, if not months, getting excited about the start of something. And part of that is always dreaming about, you know, where it might go where it could lead. And now you know the answer to that question. It's going nowhere. It's leading to nothing. You're going to play a regular season schedule, and I'm sure there'll be some fun moments. But, you know, Oklahoma State right now knows exactly when its season's going to end. Duke doesn't. You know, uh, 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 Kentucky doesn't. Oklahoma doesn't. Everybody can still dream about their season maybe ending on a Monday night in New Orleans. But Oklahoma State now knows exactly when their season's going to end. It's March 5th, and that's – uh. That's not a great feeling, again, less than a week away from the start of the season. In six days, we're going to have games. And the most notable event, that's going to be the Champions Classic inside Madison Square Garden in New York City. I'm going to be there. Norlander will be there. And Jalen Wilson, he might also be there. But we now know he will not be playing for the Kansas Jayhawks. We're going to discuss that development next. But first, check this out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. 
Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. So Kansas standout Jalen Wilson has been suspended for the first three games of the season after a weekend drinking and driving incident. Bill Self announced the suspension on Tuesday. It means Jalen Wilson, he's going to miss next Tuesday's game against Michigan State, the Champions Classic. He's then also going to miss next Friday's game against Tarleton State and the Jayhawks' November 18th game against Stony Brook. So, Deadleg, here's the question. Will this development cost Kansas what is expected to be a 3-0 start? I think it very well could. Um, Jalen Wilson is, practically speaking, probably a top three player of importance on that KU roster. This is a serious issue, and we've actually had a lot of DUI uh, things in the news in the world of sports. Obviously, Mark Few, going back to Labor Day, uh, will be serving a shorter suspension technically than than Jalen Wilson um, for his uh DUI arrest, and then there is the awful, devastating, and horrendous story uh, that came out on Tuesday. Oklahoma, Oakland, I mean Las Vegas Raiders star wide receiver Henry Ruggs uh, was impaired while driving and, and killed another young woman uh, in that in that car wreck. And that incident uh, is a torturous reminder of just how unacceptable and unavoidable, I mean, and avoidable something like this is. So Jalen Wilson suspension. Um, if it had been longer, frankly, I would have had no issue with it. You just can't have this ever, no matter how old you are, whether you are 18 or 98, can't have it ever in our society. Uh, it's something that still plagues society because people imbibe and suddenly think that they're better to drive than they are. So, yeah, could it affect Kansas's ability to beat Michigan State at the Champions Classic? Sure, uh, but that's not the biggest takeaway from this. They won't have them on the floor. They might lose the game. If they do, that's that's just the fallout to a, to a much bigger issue. And to Wilson's credit after the fact his statement actually read pretty sincere he understands the severity of what he did and uh bill self suspension um you know this doesn't surprise me i thought this was going to be the minimum when it came to to what he had done and and he'll own up to it and uh and he will not be on the floor to start the season or the two games after that i read his statement and yeah it struck me as as a guy who knows he made a mistake sincerely and i wonder if that's more emphasized because his statement is released on the day that the Henry Ruggs um, tragedy happens in Las Vegas and reading the details about that. It, I mean, they're just horrific. Um, you know, it, one way to put it is that a young woman's car was struck and she died. The more specific way to put it is that she burned to death in her car. He hit her car from behind at an excessive speed it burst into flames and according to police she just couldn't get out of the car she burned to death in a car 23 year old woman and it's just a reminder of how quickly obviously your life can end um to totally randomly uh, like th this young woman this young woman far as we know was doing nothing wrong other than like nothing she wasn't doing anything
and she just got hit from behind by a drunk driver and burned to death in her car. What? But on the other side, um, you know, for Henry Ruggs, it's a guy who, by the way, just had a baby last year. Um, he was with the mother of the baby in the accident. He was Instagramming from Top Golf, the same Top Golf we've been to a million times in Las Vegas, and was just having a night out and then decided to get behind the wheel of a car, clearly when he shouldn't have. And he took another person's life. He ruined his own. His career, I mean, I'd never say never. It's the NFL. But, I mean, he's going to jail. In Nevada, if you're convicted of that crime, uh, felony DUI resulting in death, it's a minimum two years federal prison and possibly 20. So he's going to jail. And to just, I, you know, I guess everybody who gets a DUI, even one that doesn't result in something as um, as extreme as this, I guess you always regret it. Um, but my God, I cannot imagine him trying to wake up today and 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 come to terms with how he has just first ended someone's life, but completely wrecked his own. Um, and and if you're Jalen Wilson or anybody else who's been in a similar situation um, recently, I think that's got to resonate with you. Mm-hmm. Like, like, okay, I was unlucky that I got caught, but boy, how lucky was I that nobody got hurt, that I didn't get hurt. Right. I have ruined the start of my season. But outside of that, you know, Jayla Wilson's going to be playing in February. We won't even be thinking about this anymore. Um, so on one hand, um, he's very, very, very lucky. Um, that he's only going to serve a three-game suspension, and 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 that's because like the alternative is that sometimes drinking and driving incidents they they lead to what happened, uh, you know, early Tuesday morning in in Las Vegas. As for Wilson as a player, uh, for people who maybe didn't watch Kansas too much last season, he was their third leading scorer and leading rebounder, and that was as a redshirt freshman. He'd only played two games the year before because he broke his ankle in the second game of the season against UNC Greensboro. Um, he was second in the Big 12 in double-doubles last season. And you might remember he missed the Jayhawks' first-round NCAA tournament game. That was uh, against Eastern Washington because he tested positive for COVID. Returned for the second-round game against USC, but, like, only played nine minutes. He just wasn't the same, and they got blasted. 85-51, lost to the Trojans. He didn't close the season too strongly. He was held to single digits in each of his final four games. Um, so he was better early last season than he was late. Like he was on those national player of the year list, you know, early in the season. It wasn't as good late in the season, but he was still really good and in in and he matters big time. And now Kansas is gonna have to beat a a good Michigan State team without him. And I guess I would still pick the Jayhawks to win the game, but certainly this makes that that a more difficult challenge inside the garden. We uh, we will preview and make our picks for that game uh, on our Monday podcast right before uh, right before the season starts. I did reference Wilson's statement. I'm going to read it to you in full right now. He said, quote, to my family, friends, coaches, teammates and Jayhawk Nation. First and foremost, I want to apologize to all of you for my mistake this past weekend. I accept full responsibility for my actions and am extremely remorseful in my lack of judgment. I know it wouldn't be fair for me to ask for forgiveness right now. So instead, I plan to show you the true man I am and my true character through my actions and behavior moving forward. Again, 
I am truly sorry. It's a nice statement. And yeah, we'll take you at your word, Jalen. And uh, it's, the rugs thing is certainly all the more illuminating, given the timeliness of all of this happening. And I would think it's uh, it is something that is uh, impacting uh you know, Wilson and the situation surrounding Kansas even more so because that 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 Jalen Wilson is a college basketball story. Henry Ruggs is a national news story. And so once you see that uh, penetrating into your environment and uh, and is discussed amongst people in your community and it's on television and in your social media feeds, it has uh, even more even more resonance there. But he'll he'll sit and uh, Kansas will go without him Tuesday at the Champions Classic. So before we get out of here, um, should be noted, Jalen Wilson is not the only notable player who is going to be suspended for the first three games of the season. All-American Kofi Coburn is also going to be suspended for the first three games of the season because of an NCAA violation. Um, specifically, he was selling university-issued apparel and memorabilia in violation of old NCAA rules. <laughs> Best I can tell, he did this in June. If he would have done it in July, it's not an issue. But because he did it in June, um, it was at the time a violation of NCAA rules and the punishment will be a, a three-game suspension. And so, um, you know, the the, the, the timing, he, he, the young man had poor timing. Um, and it, yeah. I, I understand why people are like, fed up with it like come on what are we doing he's an all-american you're taking him out of it for what um but you know if you wanted to argue the other side of it it was june 2021 there were rules in place even if the rules were about to be changed and you know he he broke the rules and uh arguing that 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 the the rules changed after the fact um i don't you know it's it's just not a very good argument <laughs> Well, there's a lot of context around this, and uh, to anyone that wants to compare, like the Mark Few suspension versus Kofi Coburn versus Jalen Wilson, they, they they are different situations being dictated by different factors. Jalen Wilson was a coach, athletic director decision. Mark Few was a university president board decision, and this is an NCAA decision. They're not they're not remotely the same. Um, and remember now, remember this because I haven't seen too many people bring this up. Not that it excuses it. I'm just trying to give you more background as to why all of this happened. Kofi Coburn was no surefire thing to return and play for Illinois this season. The fact that he has puts Illinois in the conversation for preseason top 10 team and, you know, maybe the best team in the Big Ten and all that. But Kofi Coburn was going to maybe go to the NBA. And then he was in the transfer portal. So for Kofi Coburn, GP, like he might have been done. Like at this point when he's doing this, I know he was like still considering Illinois. But like at this point, like when he was doing, it, he was like, I don't know if I'll ever play there again. Like, why not? You know, I get it happened. Why it happened. Here's what, um, here's what Brad Underwood said when the, uh, when the release came out on Monday, we are disappointed with the three game suspension because there were unprecedented factors and altered timelines. Love me some altered timelines, GP multi-universe theory. Here we go. Uh, Underwood continues related to his decision to ultimately withdraw from the NBA draft and return to school. Once Kofi had a full understanding of where he stood regarding the draft, he made an educated decision to return to school, work toward his degree and continue improving his game. That said, we understand and respect the NCAA's decision in this matter, and we will move forward accordingly. As always, Kofi's attitude and outlook remain upbeat and positive. He is focused on helping his teammates prepare for the season, and we can't wait to have him rejoin us on the court. I think Illinois got off easy. And I don't say that meaning I believe Illinois uh, that Coburn should have had a longer suspension or anything like that. I'm saying 
I think the NCAA took a look at this case, all the details involved with it, and otherwise might have had grounds to suspend him for six or even nine games or 10 games otherwise. The fact that it is just three games and it landed when it landed, I think is actually probably, I'm going to criticize the NCAA at the start of this podcast and maybe give it a little bit of a of dap here at the end. I could see a situation where if it wasn't right up on July 2021, Parish, when the rules changed, and if we were still kind of in that in between what's really going to happen deal. This would have been a longer suspension depending on the gear and how much he sold it for, et cetera, et cetera. And I also don't think this is going to matter. I think Illinois is going to win all those games. It's got two, two small schools and Marquette. Now Marquette will be a little tricky, but they're going to be down this season. And I think Illinois without Coburn is good enough to beat the golden Eagles. We'll wait and see, but I don't actually don't think the suspension is going to matter to Illinois in the, in the win loss column. But as always, I reserve the right to be quite wrong. I don't think it'll matter either. I think they'll still start 3-0, and and it'll fly by. And then you'll look up, and he'll be ripping rims off the backboard uh, very quickly. Um, if you listen to this podcast at all, you know I hate the rules. I hated, I've always hated those rules. I hate all the rules. I hate, <laughs> I hate every rule. Um, but, like, you know, you broke the rule, and there is typically a price to pay for that. And so it, it is what it is. It reminds me a little bit, not to get too serious again, but um, the the – and I – I'm, one of these things is a very serious issue. The other, not really. Um, I don't mean it to come across like I'm comparing the two. It's just something that popped into my head um, as I was watching people discuss this. The Ahmad Arbery case down in Georgia is getting ready to go to trial. And I was listening to a podcast about it because that's actually the type of podcast I listen to. <laughs> I don't listen to sports podcasts at all. And uh, I, I was uh, listening to a podcast about that. Because on a surface level, level it's, it's like, okay, this is, should be a wrap. Like, you know, three white men uh, chased down an unarmed black man who was jogging, um, pointed a rifle at him and shot him. It's on video. Like, this is, this is easy. And what you find out, according to experts, prosecute, it's not easy because of Georgia law at the time of that shooting, killing. Um, th- there is actually a reasonable chance these men are not going to be convicted of murder based on what the way the law was written at the time. But what's interesting is that this is like the one thing Republicans and Democrats can agree on anywhere, especially in Georgia, is that that video of his killing was so awful that they started changing laws, like bipartisan changing laws. And the point that this expert was making is that if that exact thing happened today in Georgia, it'd be easy to get a conviction, but the laws were different when it actually happened. And it will be much more difficult to get a conviction based on the laws that were in place at the time. And again, that's a very serious thing. Kofi Coburn, Coburn, not so much, but it's, it's sort of similar in this, in this root thing that um, what Kofi Coburn did, if he did it today, eh, nobody blinks, but he did it at a time when the, for lack of a better word, laws were different with the NCAA. And that is ultimately why he's having to pay a price for it. Barring any student, barring any player going against a school rule or doing something like, you know, something explicit, like, all right, you can sell your shoe. You just can't sell your Jersey kind of thing. Coburn might be the last uh, violation of its kind. Unless there is a specific school rule where a player would, would, would break it. And even then, I don't know if we'd get an NCAA ruling on it. He might be the last one selling your own merch. Uh, maybe there's a discrepancy, but I thought about that as well. Like, hopefully this is the case. 
The Kofi Coburn three-game suspension is the last of its kind we ever see, and we don't have to deal with this anymore in our new NIL era. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Stargell Love, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Island College Basketball Podcast in the middle of what is undeniably the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Do you see those people yesterday waiting for JFK Jr. down at Dealey Plaza? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I mean, I guess that's got a lot to do with the pandemic, but boy, it's dumb. It's contributing to the stupidity. That's correct. Yes, I saw it. What in the world? I saw it. Not only did I see it, I saw it and I said, you know what? It's Dealey Plaza. Paris is going to tweet about this at some point and like 13 minutes later. That's exactly what happened. I had to, like, I I would have tweeted about it 13 minutes earlier, but I I was like, let me make sure I got this right. (laughs) What are they doing? (laughs) What are they doing? I like it. That's even dumber than accidentally stepping on a homeless man in Dealey Plaza. And did you see John Adams? Did you see former head of officials John Adams tweet? I did. He tweeted at us. Yes. That he, at that same Final Four, went to Dealey Plaza, which raises the question, did you step on John Adams at Dealey Plaza? It's possible. I don't think so, though. I can't rule it out. Highly unlikely. What if, what if you'd have stepped on him and gave you a technical immediately? Because uh, that would be worthy of a technical foul. I deserve a T for that. There's no yeah. question. If no. you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. And we're going to talk to you again real soon. Until then, take care. Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the chart spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.